Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. While you're still standing, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Familiar portion of scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. And uh, here we are, a, a week removed from Easter. What a great Easter service that we had last week. And, um, you know, there's kind of that just grand service, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and then, and then what, right? Now the question is, now what? And so that's kind of the direction I want to veer into maybe, maybe for the next couple of weeks anyways. And there was a scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, that talks about um, how Jesus had appeared to the 12, and after he appeared, the Bible says to to more than 500 at, at one time, and the Bible says most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And so you see that reference to a number of 500, and then you look at those on the day of Pentecost that were there. There was 120 that made it to Jerusalem and were waiting for the promise. And so you've I've heard messages preached, you know, and those they couldn't wait. There was 380 that couldn't wait. 120 pressed on, and and I want to be in that 120 club. I want to not just have this. Ah, oh, Jesus resurrected. You know, it wasn't that he resurrected and then he's gone. He was there for 40 days afterwards, appearing, and and then we turn in the book of Acts and find the words that he spoke and the shall be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and so. Kind of the lane, just kind of giving you a heads up of the lane that I'll kind of try to be in. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4, you could probably quote it from your just remembrance. But hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Everybody say Heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. And then very quickly jumping to the book of Colossians, the complete opposite end of the Bible. Colossians chapter 3, and I just want to read two verses of Scripture, verse 23 and 24. Colossians chapter 3 reads this, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. And so I just want to talk to you for the next few moments from this title, All In. All in. And with that, God bless you. You may be seated today. 
been. How many of you parents out there remember when all of a sudden your kids were just very hard to impress? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> like when they're little, I mean, you could just pull a quarter out of your pocket and they're like, whoa, it's a, it's a quarter. How'd he do that? Yeah, but the older that they get, the more it's, it's, it's harder to impress them. And I remember learning this very quickly with Easton. Uh, I remember, man, you talk about a cultured kid. He, he has experienced a magnitude of experiences, but more so than me. I mean, whenever I was a kid, I was doing good to remember the name of the street that I lived on. That's probably about as much as I knew. I knew what street I lived on. I knew my phone number. <laughs> and I, but we didn't, we didn't travel a lot at, growing up. You know, we, we would take small trips here and there. Uh, but we didn't travel very much. But Easton, he's experienced so much. Bennett's the same way. Uh, they we took him all over the the country and been to Disney World. Jealous of him for that, even though I was with him. I think my first time was his first time, and it's like, man, I'm like 30 years in the making. What's going on here? So, but uh, you know, he's he was he's he became very quickly a kid that was hard to impress. And I remember one time taking him to a zoo to the zoo uh free uh, hello free actually the zoo is the most expensive free thing that you can go to just being straight up honest with you uh it's a good thing that it's free but um anyways taking him to the zoo and you know you ever time the zoo at the bad time of the year like where you go and there's nothing you're just walking around and there's nothing except for the birds that, that aren't even in the bird house. It's just the, the, the free-range birds that are just flying through the air. It's like, I didn't come here to see a, a robin. I didn't come here to see a cardinal. I got that in my backyard. But, you know, it was one of those days where we just weren't having, you know, we just timed it. It was bad timing. But I do remember the elephants were, were out. And, I mean, I'm still a kid, I guess, because I'm amazed to see such a gigantic animal. And I remember clear as day I remember Easton and I was up ahead maybe that's the kid in me I'm like trying to get there and see it first and uh, I remembered Easton come here you got to see this you got to see this we we get him all the way over there I'm like check out the elephant and he just kind of looks at him and he's like that's boring <laughs> like I was offended <laughs> I just spent $12 on a drink for you. You could be impressed with the elephant. I mean, and an elephant, it's not like you see that every day. I mean, thank God, because, I mean, if you're out hunting for deer, you see an elephant, probably, there's probably something wrong. There's some, you're, you're in danger. But, uh, you know, he was, just, he was just not impressed at all. I mean, there was no enthusiasm uh, about that trip whatsoever. And, and and we've always uh, we've always wanted our kids whatever we whatever they do whatever they whatever they go and experience we we want them to have a great time we want them to be passionate about what they're doing we we do this so we're like hey if you're going to do a sport you, you be passionate about it like don't just kind of just dabble in it like we you know because sometimes this stuff is expensive you know Easton wanted to get into golf and golf is not a cheap sport by any means and I'm like dude let's 
Let's do it, but but be all in. Do it. Just be passionate about it. There's something about passion. Amen. Hey, and, and, and for those of you that are lacking passion, and, and this, this word is for you today, okay? Um, because a, a life without passion is a dangerous thing. A dangerous, it's a dangerous life. One philosopher put it this way. He said, life has value. Only when it has something of value as its object. Life has value only when it has something of value as its object. You look in the Bible, and uh, we'll, look at, we'll look at the life of the Apostle Paul uh, a, a little later, maybe even next week. But Paul, you'll find where Paul put behind him everything that he valued, all of his his heritage, his past. Why? Why did Paul do that? You'll find that he did it for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes when people describe themselves becoming a Christian um, and they tell you their testimony, they'll talk about everything that they walked away from and how bad it was and how dark it was and how grim and they were just in despair. And that that is true a lot of the times. I, I do agree with you that a lot of people, they walk away from awful, awful things. That's true in a lot of cases. But you look at Paul's testimony. That's, it, Paul's testimony is not that he gave up a bunch of awful things. Rather, he describes all of the things in his life of which he is most proud of that he still values, and, and he, says it, it, he says that these are these good things that he gladly puts behind him, all right? Paul is saying that Christ surpasses everything of worth to me, everything of worth to me. Everything that he built his life upon Paul walked away from, why? Because his heart, ladies and gentlemen, was captured by a greater passion. His mind was captured by a higher purpose. His, his will was captured by a higher calling. He wanted to know Christ and become like Christ, and that purpose, that desire, it fueled him. And it, and it drove him for the rest of his life. Paul was a passionate individual. Passionate. There is, there is nothing great that is ever accomplished in life without passion. Nothing. Nothing great is ever sustained in life without passion. It is the creative force behind all great art, all great music, all great architecture, all great writing, all of it, the, the, the driving force, the creative force is passion. Passion is what energizes life. Passion is what gives you the reason to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do something with my life today. I'm going to make something of myself. Without passion, ladies and gentlemen, life becomes very boring. Boring. It becomes monotonous, all right? It becomes routine. It becomes making it from 
paycheck to paycheck, from Sunday to Sunday service. Boring. God created you and I, though, with emotions to have passion in our lives, and he wants you to live a passionate life because passion passion is what mobilizes armies into action. It's what causes scientists to stay up late at night trying to find a cure for a dreadful disease. Passion is what takes a good athlete and turns him or her into a great athlete where they're now breaking records and winning uh, championships. You've got to have passion in your life. There was one day uh, a man walks up to Jesus and he says, he says, Lord, What's the most important thing in the Bible? What's the the most important thing in the Bible? Jesus says this. He says, I want you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's saying nothing, nothing matters more than that. He's saying that's the number one thing in life. I want you to love me passionately. Nothing else matters in life, church, if you don't love God passionately. God doesn't want you to live for him half-heartedly. He doesn't want you to live for him just on Wednesdays and Sundays, but all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, you are all in. Amen. I love the paraphrase of that verse in Mark 11 where from the message, Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your intelligence, with all your energy, love God. That word passion in the Greek, it's the word heart. God is saying, I want you to put some muscle into it. I want you to put some energy into it. I want you to put some emotion into your relationship with me. And I, I, would, I would say the very same thing to you and I here this morning is that God doesn't want us to be weak about our relationship with him. We can't be half-hearted, but we've got to give it all that we've got. We've got to be passionate in our pursuit of him. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you got to do it with some passion. You got to be you got to be all in this thing. You got to give it some zip or some zest or some enthusiasm. I want you, Jesus says, to do it with passion. You see the Christian life, it, it's not meant to be one of boredom. And I see a lot of bored Christians. And I don't say that just looking out of this crowd. I see a lot of bored Christians. I do. A lot of yawning in their journey. A lot of just going through the motions and just kind of punching the time clock and checking in and checking out and mostly checking out. But this life that you are living, if that's the life that you're living, I'm afraid you're not living the life that Jesus offers. Because the life that he offers is life in abundance. Jesus wants us to live with passion and live with some enthusiasm. In fact, this truth is all throughout the Bible. The Bible, the Bible tells us that we're to seek God passionately. We're to love God passionately. The Bible says we're to serve and obey God passionately. We're to trust God passionately. 
then as if you don't, if you didn't get the message throughout the word of God, you get to Colossians, which is toward the back of the book. And this is our text. He says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. He says, I want you to do everything passionately when it comes to loving me, serving me, living for me, worshiping me. And here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. In America, and I love our country, but in America, it's okay to be passionate about anything except God. I can be passionate about movies. I can be passionate about sports. I could be passionate uh, uh, about politics. I could be passionate about restaurants, but I can't be passionate about God. There's, there's an issue with that. Our, our world has an issue with that. You can have a passion for anything. It's amazing. If you go on Google and you type in passion for, just leave it open, you'll come up with a plethora of items that you can be passionate about. There are over 100 books that have that title, The Passion For. You fill in the blank. There's a, there's a, there's a book, The Passion For Birds. I don't, I don't get it, but, you know, I mean, there's a passion. <laughs> there's a passion for books. There's a passion for cactus. There's a, 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 a book entitled A Passion For Chocolate. I mean, that's understandable. I'm not preaching against that today. In fact, I would encourage that, all right? There's a, yes, I got one witness in the room today. There, there, there's, a, there's a passion for fashion. There's a passion for fishing, for flying, for gardening, for golf, for hunting. There's a book called The Passion for Potatoes. And I love potatoes, no matter how they come. I love them. But in our culture, it's okay to be passionate. It's okay to be all in about anything except your faith, except your relationship with God. I can go to a concert or a political rally or a baseball game, and I can shout my head off. I can get excited. I can get hoarse from that event yelling so loud. When my team loses, I can cry, I can be upset, I can be hurt, I can show emotion, nobody thinks a big deal about it. When my team wins, I can jump and I can dance around and I can wave my hands in the air and shout. If I do that at a game, people say, he's a real fan, he's all in, he's a real fan. But if I do that in church, he's a fanatic. They're saying, you don't want to get too emotional about this thing, about your faith. It's okay to be emotional about anything else, but not that. But you know what? I don't really get my, you know, from the world, all right? I want to get it from the Word of God. And the Word of God, you know what Romans says? It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. It's all right to get excited about the Word of God. It's all right to get excited about what He did for you, about what He accomplished for you, and the victory that He has for you. It's all right to get excited about that. Never be lacking in zeal, Paul says, but 
Keep your spiritual fervor. Everybody say keep. Keep. I want you to notice that word. Why is that important, Bryce? Because this thing, it, it's not automatic. <laughs> it, 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 it's, not, it's not just something that's just automatic that we just we just keep the fire and we just stay on fire and we stay passionate for the things of God and we stay passionate about our relationship with God. How many know there's some Sundays where you don't feel like coming to church? I got three people that are brave enough to say yes. Some of you, I, I get it, you're polishing your halos out there. You're like, no, nah, man, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm just, just always excited. There are days, there are times you don't want to be all in. You don't feel like being all in. Paul said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep, keep your spiritual fervor. It's it's not an automatic thing. You know what it is? It's, it's a choice. It's a discipline. It, it's something that you must maintain. Here, you are not by nature passionate about God. It says that not, not at all. So he says, keep your passion. Keep it going. Paul says, keep the fire going. Keep the zeal going. Do whatever you got to do. Throw another log on the fire. Whatever it is, keep the fire going. It's a discipline. It's not just automatic. This thing doesn't just keep going and going like the Energizer Bunny. You got to keep your spiritual fervor. Everything in life, everything in life conspires, conspires to keep us from being passionate. And it dissipates your energy. And Paul understands this. That's why he's like, we've got to keep the fire going in our hearts. We've got to, we've got to choose to do that. We've got to choose on Sunday morning to this is the day the Lord has made. And I may not feel like going and worshiping God, but this is the day that he's made. And I will rejoice in it. I choose to rejoice in it. I choose to be faithful. I choose to worship him. I choose to serve him. Come on, we're keeping it going. We're keeping the fire going. That's what all in people do. They keep the spiritual fervor. Because everything in life conspires to stop it. But it's a choice. It's a choice. And a lot of times we're like that. When you first, when you first become a believer and you really, you really understand what a good deal you've got, it's easy to get excited about it. You know, first-generation Pentecost, that's me. I'm first-generation Pentecost. I remember the first time hearing and fully understanding what it was the Lord did for me. If you missed Wednesday night's Bible study, you missed a treasure. I Go back and listen to that on Facebook Live, and you will watch an individual be moved as he is presenting to you what the Lord did for each and every one of us. I remember the first time I heard that and fully comprehended and understood it. I remember, and it's easy to get excited about it. When it's the first time, you understand, it's like, man, this is, this is quite a deal. All my sins, all my sins can be forgiven. Like, 
They can be washed away. His name can be applied to my life. I can be in Christ through baptism. I, I now have a purpose. I, I now have a purpose for living, and now I have a future home in heaven. What a deal! And it's you can get excited about it, and you can be passionate about it. You get excited about when you give your life to him, and you're pretty passionate, but as time goes by, again, everything's conspiring against you in your passionate pursuit of him. As time goes by, what you see is a lot of people, and I'm sure you've experienced it your own self, is that a lot of people begin to lose steam. A lot of people begin to lose some enthusiasm, some zeal, some fervor. What happens, Bryce? Why does that happen? That's, what, that's why I'm doing this, this this morning. Because as we go through God's word, we're going to look at some things that, that kill our passion. Kill our passion. And, and, and I don't have time to make it through all of these things. Probably going to extend it to next week. So a little plug for next week. Like, got to be here next week to finish here. The, what's the end result, right? But, but you kind of use this as a checklist. And I think this first one that I want to dive into is, is a pretty major one. Talking about things that, that uh, in fact, this is probably all the time I have just to touch on this very first one. But talking about things that trying to rob our passion, things that are trying to steal away our, our, our willingness and our, 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 we're, how we're meant to be all in and God's calling us to be all in and what's trying to stop us from being all in. So kind of use it as a, as a checklist as we go through because God says, I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. I think it would be a good thing just before we jump into these things that that are trying to kill our passion just simply why don't you just simply take inventory of yourself right now and maybe ask yourself am I loving God with all of my heart? Am I loving God with all my soul and my mind and my strength? If you're a note taker, maybe write that question down. Am I love am I all in? Am I all in? Don't look at it as a doubting thing, like questioning yourself about it, but seriously, take inventory of yourself. I think it's wise to do that. Am I all in or is it touch and go? Is it only when I need something or am I in this for the long haul? It's very wise to ask ourselves these questions because if you can be honest with where you are at, I believe God can help you get to where you want to be and where he ultimately wants you to be. But you got to be honest with yourself about where you're at right now. Nobody can answer that question besides you. I can't, I can't, I can give an assumption. I can't really tell you, though. The person sitting next to you can't tell you. Only you can tell you where you are at spiritually. I don't know. But I want to touch on these things that that are that are here's what is keeping you from having that constant passion for the Lord. That constant passion. The very first thing is this: being unbalanced being unbalanced. It's, it's hard. It's hard to find balance in our lives, isn't it? <laughs> spending time at work versus spending time at home. How do you balance that out? I remember having a work meeting 
couple years ago now, brand new to a, a, a new department. And, and the manager went around the room. He said, what do you hope to learn in this year? And we had an individual on the team who had a brand new baby and his first child. And he said this, you know, everybody's got these work goals and this is what I hope to learn. And he says, man, I truly, as this newborn comes, I, I'm trying, I hope that I learn how to balance home life and work life. And I remember my boss was like, if you figure it out, you let everybody else know. You let us all know, because that's, that's a struggle, right? How do you balance that out? What is the proper amount of time to spend at work? What's the proper amount of time to spend at home? We struggle. We struggle to find balance in our lives. Or how about when you're at home? There's a struggle for balance there too, isn't there? Spending time enjoying yourself, relaxing, building relationships with family members, or spending time doing chores and fixing this and cleaning cleaning that. Both are necessary. Nobody is saying just shirk all your responsibilities and say, yep, I'm just kicking it with the fam. You know, I don't care that that roof's caving in, you know. <laughs> How do you balance all that? Because everything, everything is necessary. We got to do it. We spent all day yesterday. I mean, all day. I joked in our worship group text because as the hail was coming in, I could bat weed and feed out on the yard trying to get it just all spread out. And I literally, the storm is rolling in. The lightning was helping me see where I was stepping. Cody's texting us, he's taking cover. I'm out in the front yard like a true Southern Illinoisan. Then when I'm done, I just go stand in the garage and lift the garage up and look out and just like, well, this is pretty cool. It got, it got cold real quick. Look at that hail. But everything is necessary. It's hard. It's hard to maintain balance. Most of the time, most of the time, we're probably tipped too far one way or the other. Either we work too much or not enough, right? Either we're, we're too busy doing chores at home or, or we neglect them too much. And it's easy, it's easy to develop bad habits and live an unbalanced life, which will steal your joy, which will kill your passion. This unbalancing act can cause us to lose our passion for life and lose, hear me, our passion for God. Church, life is a series of seasons, right? The Bible even tells us that. There's a season for everything. There's a rhythm to life. God, God set that rhythm to life all the way back in the book of Genesis. There is a rhythm to it. You need both in your life. You need both input and you need output. You need both rest and you need work. And too much of either will cause you to lose your passion. Too much work will cause you to lose your passion. Too much nothing, boredom, boring. Maybe I should have titled this boring. Too much boredom, too much doing nothing will cause you to lose passion if you're not working enough. We're, and, and the thing is, we're all different in our personalities. Some of us here today maybe need to work more, and some maybe need to work less. And, and you, can, you can really go to either extreme. Psalms 127 says this, though. It's senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. 
fearing that you're going to starve to death. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. I think that's a good scripture to put on your refrigerator door. God wants you. God wants you to get your proper rest. I've heard this man so many times give the advice or just tell, you know, I ha- dealing with somebody, dealing with counseling with, with folk, not in this church because our church is great, but he counsels people, right? And what does he say? I've heard him say it in his sermons. Go home, go to bed. <laughs> go, get rest. Get some rest. Get some clarity. Get some, and God wants you to have that proper rest. Some of you, the problem is, is you're always giving. You're giving out, giving out, giving out. You're always helping. You're always sharing. You're always giving. And you never take the time to recharge. Never take the time to recharge. And it's important that you do that. And what I'm trying to guard us against here this morning is is just burning out, driving ourselves into the ground where we've given and we've given and given, there's nothing left to give. There's nothing left to give because we haven't gone back to the source. We haven't gone back to recharge. We haven't disconnected so that we could reconnect. And it's important that we do that. As our music comes, where are all my yes people at? Come on, raise your hand. Yep. See, you raise your hands because I asked you to and I told you to. You're like, yes, I'm doing it. Yes. Yes, he asked for a volunteer, yes, yes, always saying yes, afraid to say no, come on, you you talk about getting out of balance, there was an article in Forbes magazine, they quoted research that found, hear this, people who have trouble saying no, People who have trouble saying no, which was more than half of y'all when you raised your hand. People that have trouble saying no were more anxious and felt less in control of their lives. How many want to sign up for that? Are you getting in that line? Oh, the the more anxious line, the out of control lifeline? Yep, I'm going to sign me up. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's choosing that. But you know how we choose that life? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll go. Yes, yes, I'll be there. Yes, yes, yes to this and yes to that. People felt more anxious and felt less control of their lives. (laughs) The article goes on to say these people were less clear on their own priorities in life and had lower self-esteem. Their, their constant agreements tended to come less from a place of adventure and more often from an unhealthy desire for approval. For those who always say yes, finding a no can be the healthiest self-improvement goal. What's, what's the issue There's no balance in there. If you never never take the time to recharge, and stand with me if you will. 
If you never take the time to recharge, you've got an imbalance going on, both on the ministry side and on the work side, on the family side, all around you. And, and, and what's so dangerous about it is that at some point, and I wish you would just hear me, at some point you get to the place where you just stop caring. Don't care anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. And when you stop caring, you stop caring about everything. I know because I've been there. Just, you just stop. And since you weren't able to disconnect so long ago, and you've just burnt yourself into the ground, now you, have, you choose to disconnect from everything. You don't care about God anymore. You don't care about your relationship with God. You don't care about other people anymore. You don't care about anything anymore. Why? Because there's an imbalance in your life. So what's the antidote? This is, this is a, you ought to read this sometime. First Timothy 4 and 7 says, Take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Take the time. He's letting us know it's going to take some time. Okay, there's going to be some time involved. Take this one. And the trouble. It's not automatic. It's a choice. How do you do that, Timothy? How, how, how can we do this? How can we take the time in trouble to keep ourselves spiritually fit? Well, you can start with some balance in your life. We all know that to be physically fit, you have to have a balanced diet, right? It can't just be McDoubles all day long. I know some of you young people are like, for real? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it can't be. And to be spiritually fit, you have to have a balance of God's purposes for your life in your life. Hey, you need to have time. This time to worship God. You need to have time for fellowship. You need to have time for reading your Bible. You need to have time for witnessing. And that's not cliche. You actually need those things. They balance your life. It's no wonder why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all of these things shall be what? Added unto you. Putting God first helps to evenly distribute the weight of this world. It helps to evenly distribute the responsibilities that each and every one of us have. Hey, you come to church, you repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That does not exempt you from your everyday life. You don't get to go into work and say, boss, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm a child of the king. <laughs> yeah. 
We come in here, I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. They're like, no, you're still mopping that floor tomorrow. <laughs> Putting God first helps you to get balance in your life. I love the, the example that I, I've shared this one time before, but bats, bats, just rats with wings, you know, those ugly things. Did you know that the bats, they cannot take off from a level surface? They can't fly from a level surface. If you place a bat on this floor right here, this level surface, Brother Fisher's like, you sure that's level? <laughs> it's level. This, this platform is level. But this bat will not be able to take off flying from this platform. They will hop around actually in pain until the bat can find a place with a small angular distance. It, that's the only opportunity that they have that, that gives them the ability to fly. What are you trying to say, Bryce? I'm saying balance. Did you know it's possible for you to have a balanced spiritual life? That, that That's possible? But when your life is not balanced, you will inevitably... That bat would never fly, even though it can fly. It would never fly. Each and every one of us were meant to fly in this room. We're meant to soar. God has called us. There's purpose in every single one of your lives. From the youngest to the eldest, there is purpose. But you've got to have balance. You've got to, or else you will lose your passion. You're going to go, how come I don't feel as close to God anymore? How come, I, how come I don't feel once I once felt, Bryce? Why don't I feel anything at church anymore? Because you're out of balance. And being out of balance can rob you of being all in. It can rob you of being all in for Jesus Christ. As they begin to play and sing, would you just bow your head with me? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.